0: is Dustin
1: and I'm Lakeisha
0: and welcome to the podcast that's about just what it sounds like. We talk about a movie, we talk about a couple of new beers we've yet to try, review them both in our own special way. (laughs) Yes we do. And uh, this week we go back into a proper movie theater for a proper new movie as we went and saw Shane Black's
1: The Predator
0: sequel to Predator. And, minus the the
1: and predator 2
0: and alien versus predator
1: and alien versus Predator Requiem
0: and predators plural
1: yeah creative naming here
0: I, I guess I guess <laughs> So we'll be talking about uh, that new movie um, as we uh, have that conversation we each have a new beer to try mm-hmm. uh, for our podcast. Uh, I'll be talking about mine first.
1: Yes, you will.
0: And this week I decided to do things a little bit differently as we are approaching um, Oktoberfest season. I that decided to reach across the Atlantic for this week and I got uh, from Polliner München. Munchen. It's an imported beer from Munich and it is the Polliner Salvatore Double Bach.
1: Ah. I know, you've really branched out here.
0: Yeah, bocks are, uh, I, like a bo- I like a bock. They tend to be kind of sweet. Mm-hmm. And this is, this is sweets <laughs> as. <laughs> I do kind of like it though. It, um, I find it interesting though, we read on the back of the bottle. It says that uh, their particular craftsmanship of brewing has been passed down and perfected by their brewmaster since 1634 wow 1634 their website has some pretty cool stuff on it too uh, saying that this particular beer the the salvatore they've been brewing for over 375 years always according to the original recipe although there's been continually refined over the years so i just find that super fascinating because you we norm, normally when we talk have a, we talk about our beer stuff you know This brewery—if we talk about a brewery that got started in the '80s, I know—or the the late or the early '90s—we're like, oh, this one's been around a while. Yeah, you know. Versus
1: Uh, over 300 years of.
0: (laughs) This beer, seven point nine percent alcohol by volume. Okay. Uh, It is not only their most traditional beer; it's also their strongest. Originally brewed by the Polliner monks as a nutritional substitute for their own consumption during Lent to uh, compensate for their sometimes demanding fasting ritual.
1: Ah, their nutritional supplement.
0: Right. So, and it is, it's a a breakfast, lunch, and dinner beer for monks doing the Lord's work.
1: Although, you know, you go back in history and you really look and read about the history of beer. Yeah. And um, in many cases, it was kind of a nutritional supplement because it is, they tend to be pretty high in, Calories?
0: Yes, that's true.
1: Um, and also, it was you know unsafe to drink water back then because people weren't boiling their water, so or they filtering it or, or, or doing anything. anything. So yes. um, the fermentation process in the beer actually killed off a lot of stuff, so it was safer to drink beer than water.
0: Yeah, that's so. Uh, so there's a little bit of your history lesson for today as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Salvatore Double Bach, I like it. So that's Good. my beer this week.
1: I snuck a sip of it. Um, it is. It is okay.
0: Uh, I don't. Ex- I didn't expect it would be something that you would care for a ton.
1: Um, I didn't hate it. It's just the type of thing that I would have a very very small like taster of. Mm-hmm. You know that you can get. Um, I would not necessarily want to drink a whole bottle. Okay, for sure. Yeah. Um, well, your three uh, hundred year old brewery <laughs> is. Uh, very different than mine. Um, so I actually believe, I know we've talked about this brewery before, and I'm not actually sure if we've done this particular beer, though. Right. Um, so I have mm. the Apocalypse IPA from 10 Barrel Brewing. Yeah. Um, and I picked this just because I felt like if predators ever actually did land on our planet... Probably the coming of the apocalypse.
0: And it's probably the end times, yeah.
1: Right. People, I, mean, I just don't see that we're going to be doing all that well. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, Ten Barrel was founded in 2006. Um, far cry from 1600. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, it started in Bend, Oregon. And uh, this particular brewery sort of uh, created some controversy Couple of years ago, um, because it was one of the first, I think, not the first independent brewery, but definitely um, became very notable in our area. Anyway, when they sold themselves to Anheuser Busch, yes. although they refer to it as a, a partnership,
0: right? As you do,
1: as you do in the in on their website, um, and that was kind of a big deal because you know craft brewer uh brewing is kind of a big deal in the Pacific Northwest. Um and it was kind of, you know it was definitely a little bit mind-blowing for people to think that Anheuser Busch who is not known necessarily for their quality beer <laughs> to be um starting to buy up these craft breweries that are we're, were developing um into kind of really decent competitors. Yeah. For their beer. They
0: were taking a, a noticeable chunk of their business.
1: So, um, but anyway, so they did that in 2014. And uh, they still have pretty decent beer. I know that my sister would disagree. Uh, she no longer buys 10 barrel uh, uh, beer. Yeah. But uh, I I like the apocalypse. I think it's pretty good. Um, they reference it as being tiny and perfectly balanced. And it is made... For those of us that go big and then celebrate with a cold beer.
0: Yeah. Uh,
1: you know who you are, pushing your limits every day and living life to the fullest. Our brewers did the same thing when creating this beer using 4.8 pounds of hops per barrel. Go big or go home is what they had to say. Um, and I like it. It's a pretty um, safe IPA, I think. It's it's very happy. Um, 6.8% alcohol by volume. And I definitely view this as kind of one of those staples.
0: Yeah, for sure. You know, mm-hmm. in
1: in the craft brewing world, in terms of it's going it's always good, um, and it's pretty, it's pretty good. So.
0: Yeah, a couple of years ago, the Oregonian, or uh, the big newspaper out here in Oregon, did like a, I think it was like a reader poll or a vote type mm-hmm. of contest to determine the best IPA in right. Oregon, and the Apocalypse uh, was the winner, as I recall.
1: And that makes perfect sense, because it is pretty good. Yeah. So.
0: Okay. Well, uh, we know what we're having for, drinking for this discussion, and uh, now before we get into the movie, we typically have something to recommend to each other, to everybody. Right. <laughs> and else who might be listening. Um,
1: so, uh, we simply started talking about things that we want to recommend Mm -hmm. is that correct yeah so i think just in the couple of weeks we've been doing this Mm -hmm. um i have been really impressed with the stuff that we've been recommending it's not always in fact i don't think we've actually recommended a movie necessarily no it's always been other stuff that we're doing yeah so this week what are you recommending
0: well this past week i actually went and saw uh, a horror movie went by myself yes so that's not your your jam No I'm not recommending that horror movie uh, okay, I am good. just bringing it up because as we're approaching you know the month of October I find myself gravitating towards that subject matter Mhm Um and so my recommendations are probably going to start being taking on that theme Uh so I'm going to start with uh Archie Comics which I know you're going people are saying huh But Archie Comics has a line of horror comics, horror series. I think the actual name of it is Archie's Madhouse, which is a bad name because it sounds silly. The logo looks silly. But these books, these series are not for kids. (laughs) Okay. It started uh, several years ago with uh, just one series that was called Afterlife with Archie. Mm-hmm. And this was back when the, the Walking Dead TV sh- series was really at its height. You know, zombies were a big thing, and so it is essentially you know the zombie apocalypse happens in Riverdale, and Archie Comics has done all sorts of stuff like Archie meets the Predator, Archie meets the Terminator, and it's all very silly, tongue-in-cheek stuff. And mm-hmm. I think everybody is anticipating the same thing, and then issue one drops, and oh my god, it is it was it was taken dead serious. The artwork was um, visceral and sometimes really mature and gross. The story as it progressed was very mature. Yeah. And it was very, uh, it took the world by storm. Uh, they eventually started a second series called The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, uh, which I am a real big fan of. It's being turned into a Netflix series.
1: Yes. I just
0: showed you the little trailer that just dropped last week for okay. it. And for those of you thinking of the uh, Sabrina TV sitcom with um, Melissa Joan Hart.
1: This is not it. It is not
0: that. (laughs) Uh, If you watch the trailer and you see that, is that like some sort of witch's satanic ritual happening in the trailer? Yeah, they pulled that right out of the comic. Oh, wow. Um, There's also a uh, Jughead, The Hunger, where Jughead is a werewolf. And you find out that Betty Cooper's family comes from a long line of werewolf hunters. And that one gets a little a little sillier, but the artwork does get really gruesome. It is everything I want out of a werewolf movie. Where okay. It's really grotesque and bloody and awesome. And the newest one is Veronica, where essentially Veronica is, becomes like Blade. You know, the Blade the vampire hunter um and it's only three issues in but the artwork's really pretty and it's really funny and though all so every horror series that they've dropped so far has been really good and not, you know, stupid and, you know, for kids. So, I if you're interested in uh this uh, this this type of subject matter, this genre of storytelling, I highly suggest the Archie Horror line cuz they're really good.
1: Okay. There we go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, all right. Well, I um, am going to recommend uh, the series that came out on, I believe it was Freeform, which is like the new, I don't know, it, it, ABC family or right, whatever. That's what it was. Um, right. uh, called Marvel's Cloak and Dagger. Yeah. So this series is based on the comics mm-hmm. um, of the same name. But I think they did a much better job setting up the characters, setting up the, um, the plot line. And, mm-hmm. it. I mean, it's an origin story. It's how they get their powers. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is a slow, slow burn and build up, which I think is actually... They've done in a really good, good way. It definitely takes... Um, there's a fine line between how long you can allow a, an episode or a series to build up before you just get bored and walk away. Cause you're like, ah, you're not telling me anything interesting. Uh-huh. Um, but in these 10 episodes, they take, um, two teenagers. So you've got, um, Aubrey, Joseph and Olivia Holt playing, uh, cloak and dagger respectively. And, um, and it's basically about, uh, them developing their powers. One has the powers to, um, create light daggers Mm -hmm. and, um, can sense and, uh, people's hopes and activate, you know, and see what people's uh, greatest hopes are. And then there's cloak who, um, can basically pull people into himself. I don't fully understand his powers because they haven't fully developed him in the series. Um, But he can also see people's fears. Mm -hmm. And then he also has this crazy ability to, like, teleport, which is kind of cool. And so it's basically how they develop their powers and how they solve their respective kind of problems, you know, for um, for uh, Aubrey Holt's character. It is or sorry, Aubrey Joseph's character. It's that his brother was murdered when he was a child. Mm -hmm. And for Olivia Holt's character, it's that her dad um who died in an accident, a car accident is being blamed and discredited for a Roxxon Corporation, you know, meltdown. Mm-hmm. Um and I thought it was funny because of course they brought Roxxon in, which is kind of the ongoing evil, evil corporate empire oh, in the Marvel yeah, universe. the Marvel universe. Yeah. Um, but I just thought it was a really good take on it in the, in the comics, they kind of follow a lot of, um, very traditional stereotypes, you know, um, the young man who plays Cloak is a streetwise thug, you know, African American male. Mm -hmm. Um, and, uh, Cloak is, is from a privileged background, upper middle class Belgrade or more wealthy background and Mm. they run into each other and it's kind of how they you know hijinks ensue um in this one they've kind of flipped the script in that um it is it is cloak who is the cloak who is at the prep school right um and so in a really amazing way they actually also talk about what that would mean to be one of the few african-american you know, young men in a private, you know, elite private school mm-hmm. and the pressures of, you know, having to perform and be perfect. Um, and so he's he's the one who comes from a very stable um Upper middle class background, and uh, it is Clo or Dagger, who Olivia Holt's character, who has kind of fallen from grace. Her mother uh, struggles with alcoholism, mm-hmm. and she's kind of been on her own, living on the streets, and she's a hustler. Um, and so it was just an interesting way of flipping the expected tropes of characters mm-hmm. on their head. But um, but anyway, it's a it's a it's an excellent ten episode series. It is. Even though it's supposed to be maybe for, you know, young adults, yeah. um, it is done. It is done well. So.
0: It is. It is angsty teen stuff. A little bit more mature than I was expecting. Yeah. Because I watched uh, the first episode of it with uh, my daughter, who also likes this series, and there was a sex scene that I didn't see coming, and I was like, "What are we watching?" <laughs> but yeah. It, but yes, it is. It is quite good.
1: Um. So anyway, that's what I recommend. See Cloak and Dagger by Marvel. Um, There will be a season two coming. Okay.
0: All right. And so with that, we'll go ahead and move on to this week's big movie. The Predator. The Predator. A movie that maybe one of us liked more than the other one liked.
1: Yes. But I think that's just because I, I really enjoy the entertainment factor of movies more than I think you do sometimes. Like you want... I don't know more substance and i went into this thinking it was going to be ridiculous uh and because i was right i enjoyed it immensely
0: oh just because i think it's not a good movie as i told uh as i told our friend lou just because i thought it was not good doesn't mean that it's also not entertaining Mm -hmm. in its own way yes okay so, we've each come up with our three uh, favorite parts of The Predator. I yes, we have. Them, haven't shared them with each other. Spoiler alert for this brand new movie. We won't hold back on any plot details or whatever alien shenanigans happen in the movie as we discuss our three favorite things. Uh, I will go first.
1: Yes. All right. Tell us what you like. What was one thing you liked about this movie?
0: So, the first thing I got to say, I got to gotta give my first favorite thing to uh, Olivia Munn.
1: Oh, she's in my top three, too.
0: Um While her character is sort of uh, nonsensical in that she's introduced as a scientist from John Hopkins, a right. biologist to help study a captured predator, uh, she then all at once turns into an, an action hero.
1: Correct. With
0: no real explanation as to how or why. I mean she's just as capable and knowledgeable with all the different weaponry they run across. Um just as knowledgeable and capable with all those weapons as any of the actual soldiers right, that I she know. teams up with. So it's just like I it's just uh that which but, but she is uh but she is good at all that action y stuff. And I am I was glad that they let her be an action hero even though they didn't explain right that part of it it was still really fun to see her do it um i think she's very good uh with uh, and this movie ended up being pretty funny
1: mm-hmm.
0: funnier than uh you know first certainly than the original movie um and she's good with that i think she's good with with comedy right and they give her some good banter with some of the guys um so yeah, it was fun to get to see her you know run around fire guns, jump around, all that stuff. Um, also, just uh, also just shout out to, a, uh, to what she dealt with, with the controversy that yeah. came with this movie. Um, the director, Shane Black, cast a good friend of his in this, as well as two previous movies of his that that guy turned out to be a registered sex offender. Olivia Munn found out, told the studio. They pulled the one scene this guy was in.
1: Because it was with her.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that really... Because Shane Black knew about the guy. Yeah, this... He knew The studio did not. But Shane Black did. It was his friend. He knew he was a registered sex offender. Put him in a scene with Olivia Munn where the part... His whole point was he was supposed to be hitting on her. Right. I mean, how gross is that all of a sudden once you know that? Right. You know? And yeah. And so...
1: That conviction was like in 2010 was when... Um, mm. this guy was, uh, convicted and had to register as a sex offender. And it's not like he was, you know, like it, he was, he was convicted of soliciting a 14 year old.
0: Yes. You know, a child. Really? If you read about it, it's really So gross.
1: it's, it's really, really gross. And so when she called it out, I mean, props to the studio. Right. I mean, I'm glad that the studio pulled that scene mm-hmm. from the movie, um, But I also hate the fact that she really felt isolated because of that and felt that, I mean, it looked like a lot of her press uh, tours, especially near the end. Mm -hmm. She was touring with the 11-year-old. Yeah. None of the other actors. The
0: other actors all disappeared suddenly. Mm -hmm. Because this premiered at the Toronto International Film Festival, and a lot of them were supposed to be there doing interviews together, and all of a sudden it was just like a lot of it was Olivia Munn by herself. Right. Right. Saying to the people, the camera in front of her, yeah, so-and-so-and-so-and-so-and-so-so and so, so were also supposed to be here for this press tour, but I suddenly am here by myself. Right. But so, I mean, shout out to her for doing the right thing, continuing to be a goddamn professional. Right. In doing all that stuff to promote a movie that she probably suddenly wasn't very happy about. Right. You know? So, yeah, she. I had a lot. I mean, I've always liked Olivia, but now I have a, a ton of respect for what she went through with that.
1: Right, I agree. Um, yeah, Olivia Munn is also one of my three things that mm-hmm. I enjoyed about this movie um, because she holds her own in this male-dominated movie. Yeah, there's really only two females in this movie. <laughs> it is Olivia Munn and the actress who plays the mother okay. of the kid, Rory McKenna, right, um, and the estranged wife of Boyd Holbrook's uh, character. Yeah. So, um, and I mean, and and. Giving her props like that. She's also a um, a badass, you know, like she's a single mom, but like she still is, you know, like she's angry at her, her ex-husband, but she's not, you know, like she totally dives in, go get my son. You know, she's not going to play or mess around. Mm-hmm. Um, but Olivia Munn like holds her own in this cast with. She, with uh, some really good comedians, you know, um, Keegan-Michael Key is Mm -hmm. hilarious most of the time. And in this movie, he, he, not all of the time, (laughs) but he is still pretty funny. There's some really great humorous scenes um, with Jake Busey, with Sterling K. Brown, and Olivia Munn holds her own with all of them. And so I pre- I thought that was pretty good. Like she had a good sense of humor, and she's not a damsel in this, in distress. Not at all. Like she actually um, chases down the predator with a, a tranquilizer gun. Yes. To try and get a shot at it, and so you know, like it, you even have this moment where we're all kind of like, wait. Why is, she chase, why is she chasing it? Right, yeah. <laughs> you know, but but she does. Um, of course, she ends up shooting herself in the foot with the Trank gun. Um, and not in a, oh, I'm a girl and I don't know how to use the weapon type of way. Like mm-hmm. she's jumped onto a moving bus and the bus swerves and that's, you know, messes up her aim. Um, but I love my, one of my favorite scenes is kind of that next scene where she wakes up in this hotel room with a bunch of crazy military guys and her first instinct is like not to curl up in the corner of the room and like cry and scream you know she jumps off the bed she she uh immediately goes for the closest gun to like defend herself of against these guys uh-huh. um and they of course have taken bets on that like yeah. <laughs> what's she gonna go mm-hmm. for first um and then, you know, she's perfectly willing to uh, pull the trigger on one of them when she's feeling, you know, like, yeah. I don't know who you guys are. Don't you guys stay away from me, which uh, kudos to the other guys. They all like that, too. Yeah. They're like, yeah, we like her. like. Yeah.
0: <laughs> what I loved about that little bit is it starts. It's tip, it looks like it's going to be the typical. Someone's going to sweet soft talk, you know, OK, hand me the gun. Just, just right. give it here. Slowly reach out. Just give it here. Just give it here, and it usually ends with someone just, you know, really gently surrendering their firearm. Right. But she like, and he goes to like pull it from her hand, and she just won't let go. Mm-hmm. You just won't let go. Then all of a sudden, you hear the because you find out it's not loaded. You just right. hear that, hear the click, hear the tink of the of the pin, you know, just with no round in it. Right. So that's really great because it looked, it went from being like the that scene that you've seen a hundred times to right to something else.
1: Um, but yeah, so she, yeah, they never explain why she's so competent with weapons, which I feel, I feel there needed to be a line somewhere in there Uh where they're like, oh, how did you get involved with Project Stargazer? And she's like, well, I'm an evolutionary biologist and I did, you know, I, the military paid for it. So I went through basic, or like something to explain it. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I thought she totally held her own. Um, she's got great uh, comedic timing in this movie. Yeah. Um, and so I, I, I thought she was great. I thought she was really funny. And I love that there's a point in time um, where she actually gets into an argument with the Sterling K. Brown about whether or not uh, the creature should even be called the Predator. Yeah. Which is, I think, hilarious. That's
0: a great little little... Play on words or a bit of logic that nobody ever really thought of.
1: Right. You know, um, so. And I, we're not going to talk about it now because yeah. it is part of one of my other three things. <laughs> okay.
0: One last thing I do want to say about the scene where she's like asleep in the hotel room.
1: mm
0: mm-hmm. One of the things I like about that scene is that, you know, she's been tranked, a woman, unconscious, drugged, in a hotel room with a bunch of men. Who are crazy. Strange men, you know, mil- who were who are, who are imprisoned.
1: right. For being insane.
0: Right. And I was like, this could go any number of uncomfortable ways. Right. And I was actually concerned <laughs> about what was gonna happen and then the what they end up doing with it. I was I was I enjoy I was so relieved.
1: Oh yeah, me too.
0: I was just the relief made me enjoy the scene more than anything.
1: Yeah, it definitely was one of those times where I was like so oh, how are they going to play this?
0: <laughs> see, the director cast a sexual predator in this movie. What's going to happen in this scene? Oh, thank God! Yeah, <laughs> you know.
1: Yeah. Um. But anyway, so I, I think we both agree Olivia Munn yes. is uh, really good in this movie. Yes.
0: Okay. Moving on to my second one. Okay. And so I'm just gonna say, uh. The gore, <laughs> all the blood and <laughs>
1: guts. Of course, you would like that.
0: Well, see, the thing about this movie is um, it's it's pretty it's pretty silly. Oh, of course. Uh, the first pre- the first the original movie is not. It is a very serious, very solid science fiction thriller right. movie, and I was and it's never had uh, a sequel that lives up to it. Um, and that's what I was hoping for, you know, and this movie is not, they went in a wacky direction. And so once I think I realized what the, that, um, you know, there's a lot of blood splatting around and I just decided that that's, that's pretty fun, I guess. I guess. Um, it is like the first predator, the violence was very visceral and was used to show how dangerous and scary the creature was in this movie. It's so over the top. That it's not scary; it's just played no. play to be as gross as possible. And uh, like the in the beginning, when they first see, uh, they find the they, the predator stumbles across all of this, these soldiers and wherever they're at in the jungle, and he cuts a guy in half. Right? And right, the predator has, but the predator has fallen out of a tree and is laying on the ground, and you see like the guts falling out of this guy and the blood and guts dripping down.
1: Onto the predator.
0: Onto onto the cloaked predator. And that's how they see him because this guy's blood and guts are dropping down onto him. Right. Which is so ridiculous.
1: And it wasn't even the predator who slices him in half. It's Mm -hmm. Boyd because he's got that crazy little arm gauntlet on his arm. Oh, that's right. But it was the predator's weaponry. I don't understand what this is. And he hits the wrong thing. And that's the thing that cuts the. um, It hits the predator, like shoots two things out. And Mm -hmm. one of them, and then it. uh, bisex his, his his comrade.
0: Yes. Um, yeah. So there's a so yeah there's just a lot of not just human blood there's some alien green goo that gets splashed around the screen quite a bit. Well there's um, a whole
1: scene where the super predator comes in and like rips the head and spine yeah. out of the other. Uh, one.
0: Yeah I was going to mention that. That is a great effect. That is a great just gross splatterific Effects, so all that stuff once you realize what kind of movie you're in for is i i decided would be was pretty fun
1: yeah i i could see that you would like that okay so yeah (laughs) so um okay so my second thing is we've mentioned this already it is this movie is pretty funny yes it's got a lot of good humor in it um and there were lots of moments in this movie where you and i were just laughing out loud um and i will say as you know sort of grumpy as i am right now with uh the director shane black sure um he's done this before so he wrote and directed uh the nice guys which we both love yes and it's the same type of thing like it's It's funny and it's action packed. And then there's some like crazy, you know, bloody scene or gory scene or crazy fight scene where you kind of cringe. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you're back to laughing again because the next moment is really funny. And I thought they did a good job of that in this movie, which Mm -hmm. is probably why I enjoyed it so much. Because in the first original Predator, um, you know, you're not you're not laughing (laughs) in that movie no so uh i i appreciated this and um i love it like there's just these great moments where um they go to get olivia munn's character dr bracket casey Mm bracket um and they're taking her to the 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 secret facility for project stargazer then as she walks in and they start you know there's a guy at a desk and she like hands over her credentials or whatever, and all of a sudden he hits the button, and the whole floor begins to sink. And he looks up and he goes, "Is it you know? Is it just me, or is the floor, or is the, are these walls extending?" And it's the line from the Haunted Mansion
0: in Disneyland. At yeah,
1: Disneyland, and it's just unexpected and hilarious, and it's even funnier because the agent who's with. Um, Olivia Munn's character just looks at him doesn't smile totally deadpan and goes every fucking time (laughs) like so apparently
0: says that every time so you you get
1: this idea that this is a joke uh, an ongoing joke that uh, only the desk agent finds funny Mm -hmm. but it's it's this great humorous moment because you're like uh, what is the inappropriate thing to say at this moment oh this is it okay good you know um, and then they have this whole argument over the name Predator as she comes out. And she's like, what is this thing called? And uh, Sterling K. Brown's character Traeger goes, oh, it's called a Predator. And she's like, why? And they go, well, because it stalks its prey and kills it but doesn't eat it. And immediately her and another, you know, unnamed, you know, mercenary there goes, "Well, well, that's not a Predator. Right. That doesn't sound like a That's a sports hunter. Yeah. Like, that's actually more like a bass fisher. Or, you know, yeah. like, they just start arguing over why a predator is actually a terrible name for that thing. And Sterling K. Brown finally is like, well, we took a vote and predator sounds cooler. Which And he's not wrong. <laughs> but then it comes up later, too, while back in the hotel room, mm-hmm. where they're talking about and they're like, what is that thing? And she goes, well, they call it a predator. And she explains... And immediately, uh, Keegan-Michael Key's character goes, well, that doesn't sound like a predator. It sounds like more like a sports center." She's, and she goes, right? That's Mm -hmm. what I said. And it's kind of this funny little just interplay and ongoing joke that, um, oftentimes we give names to movies that make zero sense whatsoever. But they
0: sound cool.
1: But they sound cool. Um... But anyway, I just I did think that this movie was funny, mm-hmm. and I appreciated that because um, I, I'm you you know we've talked about this before. I'm not a big blood and gore mm-hmm. girl. I don't like horror movies. Um, it you know so I, the humor was needed for me to you know find enjoyment from okay. the movie.
0: Yeah, okay. Alright, for my last thing, I'm going to say that I enjoy all the nods to all the previous movies that they put in this. They
1: did a good job of that.
0: When they first get to, when they go into Project Stargazer, uh, you see a lot of artifacts, Predator artifacts that are from previous movies, including the Alien vs. Predator series, apparently. Mm -hmm. Um, Gary Busey, who was in the very weird Predator 2, uh, his son Jake is in this movie. Right. Apparently cast as the son of that character that Gary Busey played in Predator 2.
1: I wish they would have said something about that though.
0: I know, you had to I had to read about it. It's not implicit right. in the movie itself. Um also there is um it made me roll my eyes in the movie, but on you know, retrospect, you know, uh, you know, okay, it's 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 cute that they did this. Uh In the original movie, there is a famous line that Arnold says that's become very memeable and laughed at and much uh, impersonated, where he, in his thick accent, yells at people to get to the chopper. (laughs) In this movie, as they're trying to escape uh, Predator and agents from Project Stargazer, uh, all the soldier guys, led by Lloyd Holbrook's character, see a bunch of motorcycles over by this building to Which he yells, Get to the choppers, right? So, a little homage, it was pretty clear what they were doing. Um, There's a
1: couple of those lines in the yeah. movie where they do stuff like that. So, so,
0: and uh, you know, there was the predator dogs, yeah, that were in this, which I, from what I understand,
1: are in the movie, the, movie. the pred- uh, predator, predators. predators, plural, yeah.
0: yeah, yeah. So, yeah, they pulled a lot of stuff from previous movies, which is. I mean, I'm glad they made this a sequel. It was originally, I guess, being talked as a, a reboot. Yeah. Uh, I'm glad they went sequel. Um, so, yeah, but that made it fun to see all those little things. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Those references. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. I thought um, I didn't catch half of them, of course, but uh, there were several where I was like, oh, hey, hey, I recognize that line or whatnot. Mm-hmm. So, Um. all right. Well, my number three is Sterling K. Brown. plays Traeger Mm -hmm. so I love Sterling K Brown because he is in um, the TV series This Is Us yeah and I love him in that show so much Mm -hmm. like his character Randall I can't even say is my favorite character because um, throughout that episode or throughout that series, every single character ends up being my favorite character every once in a while, mm-hmm. and you know because you'll come home and I'll be watching an episode, and it, every tears. It, every single episode makes me cry for mm-hmm. some reason or another. Um, but anyway, so I love that series. I love Sterling K. Brown in that series, and in this movie, he is such an asshole.
0: Not so lovable in this movie,
1: <laughs> but he's great at it. Like, he's hilarious. He's a real son of a bitch. Yes. Like, I think his, um, you know, like, early on, one of his early lines is, you know, he gets out of a helicopter and a whole bunch of army people jump out and they go rushing into the woods. And he's like, all right, guys, just remember, you know, fucking you up is what these guys do for fun. You know, like, is their vacation or whatnot. Yeah. And, um... And from that moment on, he's just a jerk. Like if there's a seri- if if he could make a decision that makes him more likable, his character will pick the other decision. Like yes. the other choice.
0: I can't imagine he has a friend in the world.
1: In this movie. No. Ever.
0: Yeah. No. In his life. He's such a mean just yeah. yeah.
1: He's not and it's it's like he's not the bad guy. No. But he's a bad guy. Oh, for sure. Like, he for sure is just ready, like, oh, you're no longer useful to me? Okay, just kill him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you, you know about the predator, and, um, you know, we need to keep the secret? Okay, we're just going to kill you. Oh. Declare you insane. Oh. No big deal.
0: <laughs> this, this 11-year-old child can potentially get me something I want from the predator. Let's go ahead and pull him into harm's way. Right. You know, no yeah. big deal. No big deal. I don't care. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Um, so he he's fantastic mm-hmm. as a jerk. In fact, he's so fantastic as um, as just an asshole in this character or in this movie that it's it's disappointing when he, the way he dies. Oh yeah. Like it's we talked a, about this. Yeah. it's a throwaway death. It's yes. practically off scene, and I... it lasts all of five like I don't know 0. 0.5 seconds, and then they just move on and you're kind of like no he deserved like yeah. an epic death yes and he and he doesn't get it at I all i
0: forgot i had to i remember asking you after the fact he died right
1: mm-hmm. he
0: didn't live right i don't remember yeah. yeah so that's weird that they made him to such a bastard
1: and then they gave and him such, such a, a forgettable a... they threw away his character's death when it needed to be epic.
0: Yes, I would agree with that too.
1: So so anyway, that was my third thing. I, I thought he was great in okay. this movie. Cool. So, um, so now we've talked about things that we've liked. Yeah. Any honorable mentions? <sighs>
0: uh, you know, they give him some really dumb things to say. But Boyd Holbrook. Boyd. Boyd Holbrook, i been <laughs> saying his name wrong this entire podcast. Boyd Holbrook is, you know, he's pretty decent as the lead guy in this.
1: Yeah, you know? I would agree with that.
0: Yeah, as the, as the de facto hero of the story. Yes. You know, I wish that he didn't have, I wish that there were less stupid things coming out of his mouth, but that's not his fault.
1: Right. That uh, is correct. Um, but, yeah, no, I think he, he is a pretty good – he's a good action star. Yeah. You know? And I kept looking at him throughout the movie going, gosh, why do I know him? Why do I know him? And mm-hmm. his voice. And then I realized it's because he also plays an excellent bad guy in the movie Logan. In Logan, yeah. Yeah, so – He's one of the beavers, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I would agree. Boyd Holbrook actually did a pretty good job in this movie. Mm-hmm. So – Credible action hero status.
0: Yes. So hopefully, maybe this will get him into something better. Better. Yeah.
1: Okay. Any other honorable mentions?
0: Um, I don't. Nothing coming to mind. How about you?
1: Um, I would say that the actor um who plays Nettles was pretty funny. Um, Augusto Aguilera. I oh mean,
0: okay. Yeah.
1: Um. He had a couple of really good um like scenes in the movie, and he was he did a good job of playing you know a uh, a soldier who had p t s d yeah and who was struggling with the idea that he was actually fighting an alien mm-hmm. <laughs> um and so I thought his character. Um, he was a great actor, and he did a great job with his character. Okay. So. All right. So now we get to maybe things <sighs> yeah. we didn't like so much.
0: Yeah. Um. So, but I just I think this movie is. It's I think it's kind of dumb. Um, especially dialogue-wise, it is like it's an entire movie where everybody is speaking. Everyone's just trying to deliver the better one-liner. Right. And that is like the whole movie almost is like that. And it's really, it gets really grating. Um, it's, I just, I found it really disappointing because I was looking forward to a good Predator sequel. Shane Black was in the first movie, um, you know, and so he had that connection. He's made a couple of movies that we both really like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and he just I don't know it just looked like he was just screwing around the whole time. like he didn't take the the first like he just didn't want to take it that seriously, which is his want, I guess. I just wasn't what I was looking for. It gets so ridiculous at some point it like it almost feels like they could be almost making a spoof right It gets that dumb um uh. So, oh, one of the biggest things that I just like at the end, I was like, I just was like, oh my God. Uh, Keegan Michael Key and Thomas Jane, right? These characters. Um, they actually, um, you know, I don't have a ton of great things to say about this movie, but one thing they did do that surprised me is they like play these guys up as if they have this antagonistic relationship, they don't like each other. Uh, Thomas Jane's character has uh, Tourette syndrome, right. which apparently Shane Black does. That's why right. he did this, why he uh, made that character that way. And Keiko Michael Key is always, uh, you know, pushing his buttons, trying to get him to explode. But then you find out that they have this actually sweet connection. You know, in how they serve together, and they actually have a really neat scene where they re- reveal this. Right. And then they give their death scene. It's just so ridiculously absurd that I was just like, you've got to be kidding me. Eh. Um, I mean, they're both like, there's like gut, they're holding, there's guts pouring out of them, impaled on things. And then they look at each other. They each pull their sidearm. And then they shoot each other in the head Eh. to put each other out of their own misery. It was just, wow. yeah.
1: wow hey at least they got a dramatic wow. death scene right and and I'm just going to say dope. that tvtropes.org listed that as one of the more uh, I'm trying to it, like the tearjerker moment of that movie
0: what there's zero tearjerker moments in this movie
1: Well, I would agree with you, but I thought it was funny that that's what TVTropes.org, what people reported as the tearjerker moment in that movie.
0: Whatever. (laughs) All right. I mean, I don't know that I'm done saying what I dislike about this movie, but I'll I'll give you a a go. All right.
1: Well, I have have two things that I didn't like about this movie. Okay. And they're related. Um, The first is um, it is a sloppy storyline. Oh, man. And I expect more from Shane Black because he has done some amazing movies, and he's written for some amazing movies. Mm-hmm. He wrote uh, the original. He was a writer for the original Lethal Weapon. Like he sold that yep. story. Yep. You know, right. um, there's too many threads that don't work. So first, you know, like first we're we've got a predator human hybrid, which we're supposed to go okay. Uh, then it's. A predator-human hybrid who is escaping to Earth to sell us or give us the technology to defend ourselves from predators because apparently global warming is creating an Earth that is... That would
0: be home for predators? That would
1: be home for predators. Even though, according to our timeline, humanity has been actually quite successful at killing off these predators. As they've come to Earth, so um, I think that it. So that that's weird, um, but then also this this ally who is coming to give us a tool to kill other predators promptly murders people the moment he touches ground. That's all this predator he, does.
0: He he slaughters a lot of dudes,
1: a lot of people. So, um, not a good ally. Just saying. Just yeah. saying, and then. The humans who are like, "Hey, this is our ally," have him strapped to a gurney and sedated, mm-hmm. because that's what you do with your allies, I guess.
0: Did they know that that's that he was come bringing like something to help them at that point in time?
1: Well, but that's the whole point. I mean, like that—that that was the whole point of Project Stargazer. I thought at some point in time, Traeger mentions that they've made a treaty or they've made a oh I don't remember an alliance that. with somebody and they knew that they were they knew that this guy was coming. Oh, okay. Um then all of a sudden these predators are giving themselves upgrades so that they can become even better killers and predators. Uh-huh. Um so I'm just gonna say how come we didn't see an upgraded uh, predator slash xenomorph as a consistent thing then? Because you get an, a predator, a xenomorph hybrid in Alien versus Predator Requiem, like that's that whole the plot of that whole movie. Uh-huh. But apparently, that wasn't good enough for the predators overall. I don't know. Doesn't make sense. Yeah. Right. And so, and then, and then you have the super predator who's just interested in killing everybody, uh, except for the little kid inexplicably. Yeah. And. He steals the small ship, even though his actual ship is somewhere there. Like, his ship never gets destroyed. They hold. They show him flat-out landing and bringing his predator dogs off of that ship. Yep. So why does he have to go steal... The old ship. The, yeah, the ship of the, you know, runaway of the little human hybrid predator, right? Well, so that's the whole point. There's all these random threads that don't make a lot of sense. It would have just been easy if... You know, either they had released a human uh, predator hybrid, you know, among the wild in humanity, and then, like, it was hunting humans while a super predator was hunting it. Uh-huh. That just would have been way better. Like, quit giving it this crazy backstory that made no sense.
0: And the whole idea that, well, they're they're taking, you know, like, the, they're... They're hybridizing with DNA from, like, some of the, the, the strongest they're, other species.
1: Yeah, their greatest prey.
0: Why, why would they choose our DNA? I mean, sure, humans have, you know, been able to knock off the pre- couple of predators that made it to Earth over the years. But it took a lot of us to kill each one of them. I mean, it's like, we got two, they got, like, 50 of us. Right? <laughs> so that's what the scoreboard says right now. Predator 50, Earth 2. Uh, why would they want to hybridize our DNA? We're obviously pretty easy for them to kill. I know I just didn't get why they would want to do that with right. humans.
1: Because it's not even like we're smarter. We haven't mastered space travel yet, and the Predators right. have.
0: They're obviously way more highly advanced technologically. Mm-hmm. Ah, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that doesn't make any sense.
1: Right. So and... sloppy storyline, and I expect more from Shane Black
0: and and while there was some funny stuff in this movie there was some stuff that was an attempt at being funny that absolutely falls on its face right um it's like so Shane Black being in the first movie he's one of the soldiers he's kind of like the nerdy guy and he he's, he delivers this really dirty joke in the early on in that movie and it was like he wanted to make one whole scene where it was nothing but, but dirty really joke. dirty jokes. Right. And that scene isn't funny at all. Mm-mm. I didn't like it at all. It's yes. really dumb. And, uh, yeah.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. So it was some sloppy writing that I, I didn't appreciate. And that kind of leads me to the second thing that I didn't like. Yeah. And that's just the sloppy editing. Like, Oh yeah. For me, I'm like, there is a better cut of this movie out there somewhere Um, because they just, there's moments where they're building a really good scene or a, or an interesting storyline, or at least a storyline that has been built and kind of needs to be tied up at the end. Mm -hmm. And they just don't. So, I mean, like they have, uh, Jake Busey, right? Gary Busey's son there Mm -hmm. as keys. They never refer to him by his name. So you never know. That there is even a connection, um, and there's a whole moment where like he's holding on, he's bloody and he's banging on the window and Olivia, on, in. and he's like, "Don't let it get away" or something crazy.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then that's it. Like we don't know if he died. Yeah. You know, we 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 don't see him ever again, and you're like, oh, okay, goodbye, I guess? Question mark. You yeah. know, um, there's the um there's a scene where uh, the boy Rory is is has inexplicably run to a football field. I have no idea why that's the common place where kids, when they run away from things, run to, but apparently it's the place to go. yeah, um, and then he is uh, this pit bull comes out and they start to become friends mm-hmm. and you're like, oh. Like, he's going to make a friend. And then the pit bull turns around and he's, and he's growling at the two predator dogs that come by. And you're like, oh, man, they're going to kill the pit bull. Those predator dogs are going to kill it. Mm-hmm. Uh, which they do not. No. But the last thing you see of that pit bull is it running to the RV. Like, somehow it wants to come with his young friend that he's made. Right. Um, And that's the last you see of that dog. Yes. And that's just this random moment. And you're like, okay. And then, inexplicably, they replace the dog-boy uh, friendship with Predator Dog, right. who's been shot multiple times in the brain, apparently, who has now turned into a lap dog, specifically yeah. Olivia Munn's lap dog.
0: Yes. Well, this big Predator Dog who was hunting them all of a sudden befriends them all? Right. In- very inexplicably.
1: Follows them yep. and plays fetch with um, hand grenades. Yeah. Like, I mean, it's just this inexplicable thing. And you're like, I feel like there's scenes somewhere on the cutting room floor that are going to explain some more of this.
0: You I know, guess. because
1: they only explain it with one throw away line where they are kind of like. What are we supposed to do with this dog? And they make the comment that Nebraska Williams, uh, one of the crazy, you know, military guy, yeah. just is terrible at shooting anything in the head. Which he... is a terrible joke because he had tried to kill himself
0: by shooting, by him
1: shooting himself, himself in and... the head right? Uh, and, and was unsuccessful. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, so not only is that a terrible thing, but then they try and make a joke about it later. Mm-hmm. And then that's it. Like, Yeah. What are you supposed to do with that?
0: I don't know. And then at the very end, like we talked about, like, Olivia Munn, after they've defeated the big bad predator, Olivia Munn's character just kind of vanishes. mm mm-hmm. And the kid apparently has a job with Project Stargazer now.
1: Right. Top security uh, clearance.
0: Yeah. His dad comes in full military uniform regalia, dress-
1: Like he's in charge of the of the project now.
0: It's not really explained, and they and here's the thing that I missed opportunity uh, combined with just doing something really dumb. So the uh, the predator that was supposed to come help humanity before he slaughtered thirty people had was bringing something a weapon for us to use to fight the predators. Right, and we were both like, please let it be an alien. Right. Be a xenomorph. He brought a xenomorph, and we're going to use them to help fight the predators his idea, and it's just going to cause another problem. That's interesting. They've crossed those franchises over. It'd be a great nod and a cool thing to look forward to. So there's this pod that they got from his ship. They haven't opened it yet. And they open it up, and I'm just like, just let it be one of the egg sac things. <laughs> you know. Just one of the egg sac things with a face burster, you know, a face hugger. It starts crawling out of it. You know, they open it up and it is not that. It's a device that apparently is like the nanotech Iron Man suit, but Predator version. Correct. And it slaps itself onto one of the scientists. So you see him wearing it. And then it, they take it, get it off him somehow. And someone goes, What is that? And. <laughs> Boyd, Hol- Boyd Holbrook says, Looks like that's my new suit, Bubba. Hope it comes in 42 long.
1: And that's credits. the end of the movie.
0: Credits.
1: That's such a terrible oh, way. I was just like, are
0: you kidding me? That's how it ends. That's that is the, so dumb. That's
1: the worst
0: That is the ending. dumbest line. Yeah. Oh, my God.
1: Um, but yeah, so the, it's it's just those types of things where you're like, that's sloppy editing. You know, like, there's gotta be some better scenes in there. Um, and then, like, they throw away the deaths. Like, we talked about that. Traeger. Mm-hmm. Sterling K. Brown deserves an epic death. Right? Yep. And he gets 0.5 seconds. And, like, he's off screen. And you miss You actually miss it. You're like, did he, he died, right? Um, Alfie Allen, who is uh, in that, and he's very talented. Mm-hmm. Um, he is, he gets his arm chopped off by the super predator and then he like has enough time to like shoot a flare into the air and then you just assume he dies we don't get to see anything else about his death
0: yeah oh and a lot of that action stuff at the end is shots really roughly like right. it's hard to tell what's going on
1: Mm-hmm.
0: yeah it's not it, done it's not filmed well
1: right and so you just kind of go why why would you throw away those opportunities? Because that's kind of what the Predator franchise is known yeah. for, also, is coming up with like horrific and like creative ways for their characters to die. Mm-hmm. And and they give the most they give the epic deaths to um Thomas Jane and Keegan Michael Key, right? With their shared yeah. last moment together mm-hmm. as they kill each other. And then they give it to um Nebraska Williams. Oh yeah. Up who, on top of the spaceship. Who throws himself into the engine or into one of the engines of the ship so mm. it crash lands, right? Yep. Even Nettles, who's pretty good and he's just about to get a kind of a cool death, the best they give him is that as the shield surrounds the ship, it chops him off at the legs. And he has one moment of shocked like what just happened? And then he just slides off of the shield and yeah. away into the air. Mm-hmm. Like, that's it. So, I mean, he gets a better death than some of the other ones, but still. Yeah. Um, I just felt like they missed, they missed the point. Like, Shane Black was in the first Predator and he had somehow missed the point of yes. the Predators.
0: It was Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I think that'll probably cover Most of the stuff I didn't like about it, just that it was, it's a dumb movie. Yes. It's a dumb movie, and that's not what I wanted to see out of this.
1: It's the type of movie, here's what I'm going to recommend. I recommend if people are like, you know, I hear what they're saying, but I think maybe I kind of want to check it out. Mm -hmm. Just wait. Wait until it comes out on Sci-Fi Channel as, you know... Or no, because it is rated R. So wait until yeah. it's, it gets released on HBO or something like that, where you get the yeah. free preview weekend. Mm-hmm. And so they're showing something that was recently in theaters. Watch it then.
0: Yeah.
1: I'm not even sure at this stage in the game that I would say spend, well, no, spend money at like Redbox. But as I say that, I take it back. You can spend $2 oh, yeah. at Redbox and watch this movie and feel like you got your $2 worth um you do not need to go to the theater and see this movie
0: yeah yeah i wouldn't yeah even on like a like tuesday nights in our area are like cheap movie night everything all day long is like between six and eight dollars right and you don't need to do it
1: no wait until it's definitely at like three dollar movie night
0: yeah something like that yeah (sighs) opportunity missed mr black that's rough
1: I know, and again, he did the movie The Nice Guys. The Nice Guys which is great. We love.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say I was it's a movie that I thought about doing for the podcast, but after the revelations of
1: I know. That that's did, the other thing yeah. is I, I am now rethinking like, oh, how much I love um Shane Black after this. Yeah. So
0: Okay, yeah. well I guess then that will do it for the Predator. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, as far as next week's episode... First, I'm going to tease a thing.
1: Oh, you're going to tease a thing. Tease
0: a thing. Next week, we are going to a special screening of a certain movie um, that will uh, make more sense in the next month. So there will be a podcast that we do for this special screening that will come later.
1: Right, that is true. When it is, is more true.
0: relevant for the season. if that, And we will leave it at that. I'm really looking forward to that. Uh, but next week, uh, we found out that uh, one of our local theaters is actually doing a screening of a favorite sci-fi movie of everybody. I think we're going to go see The Matrix.
1: Yeah. Back on
0: the big screen.
1: That's going to be exciting.
0: That's going to be fun. Whoa. <laughs> So, yeah, I don't forward. think you,
1: you're you really pulling it off. We'll have to try it again.
0: Well, well, ha, have... I have a week to work on it. You do. So, look forward to our Matrix podcast next week. All right. So, thanks for listening to the Cold Beer and Cool Movie podcast. You can find us on SoundCloud, on iTunes and Apple Podcasts, uh, a lot of other podcasting apps. If you have an Android device, uh, send us an email about what you thought of the Predator if you wouldn't. Check that out, or any other movie that we've done so far. You can email us at ddkpodcasting at com. Recommend a movie for us to do in the future, or a beer to try. Uh, That'd be great as well. So, all right. Until next week.
1: Go see a movie.
0: And thank you, everyone, for, for listening.